Pelvic Posse, and welcome to the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. It's Amanda Fisher. I've helped thousands of people with pelvic floor issues, and it's totally my jam. Here, you can listen to expert interviews encompassing all things related to pelvic health. That's pee, poop, sex, and everything in between. You have a pelvic floor. Yes, you. We all do. And it's time to start talking about these issues that arise, but more importantly, how to improve them. I am so glad you are here to join us. Now let's head into this week's episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Empower Your Pelvis podcast. I'm Dr. Amanda Fisher, and I'm the host of the show Empower Your Pelvis podcast. Today, I wanted to really chat about habits, habit forming, good and bad habits, and how we really strive at Empower Your Pelvis to not overwhelm our patients where they're not going to be doing their exercises, but how do we recreate a habit So that it just becomes like an automatic thing that happens for them. So for instance, let me backpedal a little bit. Our staff is reading the book, Atomic Habits. I believe it's by James Cleaver. Some of us are listening to it on Audible. Some of us are reading the book. Some of us are doing both and taking notes on it. So we've had the last month. This was something that I had given the girls all a copy of the book back at our retreat. We went to the Elms, a nice hotel and spa here in Kansas City and had just a really nice relaxation time. The girls all came up with their goals for 2023. And then we started to figure out how do we achieve a goal and hoping to have that overlap onto our patient caseload because we were finding patients getting overwhelmed with us, giving them exercises, so on and so forth. So today we just got done with our lunch meeting where we went over the first five chapters of Atomic Habits and how we've all kind of picked like one goal that we wanted to kind of look at or accomplish for our first month of the year. So everybody had either one thing they could start to look at or maybe even two things that we started to create changes in our own life. And in the book, Atomic Habits, they talk about, you know, habits really form from people looking at in a couple different levels, one being the outcome, the processes, and the identity. And this really spoke to me. The example they give in the book is, you know, if a a smoker is offered a cigarette, if they use the response, oh, I'm trying to quit, they haven't yet accepted the identity of them being a non-smoker. Now, if they were offered a cigarette and they gave the response of, no, I don't smoke, that's them taking on the identity of a non-smoker which makes me think back to our patients. If I'm a patient who pees my pants when I run 20 minutes, how can we help our patients take on the identity that they don't pee their pants when they run 20 minutes? One is we actually have our patients stop around 18 minutes, stop running, completely stop moving, pause, let that pelvic floor relax back down, maybe do a deep squat to let that pelvic floor relax a little further, and then take off running. What we're doing is trying to decrease the endurance, decrease the fatigue that is happening on those pelvic floor muscles so that then the patient gains confidence, that identity piece, that they can run without leakage, okay? So that's just one example. 
So this was something that we really looked at, especially with forming our own habits, whether like Heather is starting a podcast. So her taking on the identity of what does it look like to be a podcast? What would a podcast person do? And for instance, right now, she is batch recording episodes, meaning she is trying to group together recordings before she launches it, because that in her mindset is the identity of what a podcaster would do. Let's say, I think Blair and myself have stopped drinking coffee. So her and I are not, we're taking on the identity of more of a tea drinker versus a coffee drinker. Instead of us going to get a cup of coffee or a cup of espresso, we're getting a cup of tea because we're taking the identity of a tea drinker versus coffee drinker. So just a couple examples. All right. The other thing, part of the book that we went over was each habit is consisted of four things. And I thought this was very interesting too. The first one being a cue, the second being a craving, the third a response, the fourth a reward. So for example here, the story with this one, you walk down the street and you smell a donut. So that's the cue. You go into the donut shop and you buy or you, you smell the donut. Okay, that's the cue. You then start to crave the donut. That's the craving. That's level two. Then you walk into the donut shop on your way to work and you buy the donut. That's your response. You eat the donut and it satisfies your craving. That's your reward. So you've got your cue, your craving, your response, your reward. And we're really trying to figure out how do we make those four things or what make up a habit, whether it becomes a positive habit or a negative habit. And you can look at it in positive ways of how do we create a positive habit, making sure that the cues are obvious, they're attractive, so we want to do them, they're easy, and it satisfies our reward. That's how we want to look at our positive responses. If we're trying to break a habit that we don't approve on, maybe it's like biting your nails, we would want to actually make that cue invisible, You know, make it where we don't see it, make it unattractive. That's where I was a kid and I would bite my nails and my mom would put fingernail polish that tasted disgusting. It made me not want to eat it. The response for me, you want to make it difficult. It was like, ugh. it made it difficult for me to want to chew my nails because it tasted disgusting. And then my reward being unsatisfying to break that was I took my fingers out of my mouth. <laughs> I didn't continue to bite my nails and I grew actual nails. So that's an idea. If you have the cue, the craving, the response, and you don't have the reward, you're missing a piece of that habit loop, a habit will not be formed, okay? So you have to have that cue, the craving, the reward, and the response to all make up a habit. And then they were really strong in the book, I believe in chapter four, on habits that are really deep-rooted and especially in our behavior of something that we do are really hard to change. But if we start off creating a new habit, those are easier to change. So it's going to take a lot more consistent work to change with the cue, the craving, the response, reward to change a deep rooted habit. So I thought that was interesting as well, because we all have deep rooted habits, whether they be good or bad. The fifth chapter, and this was my favorite, they did a study on people Number one, they asked one group of people to go exercise every day. The second group, they asked them to exercise and the positive reasons why exercise was good. It helps decrease heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave them all the research. The third group, they told them to go exercise, but they told them when, like a date, a time, a place, and how they were going to exercise at those times. So we have a date, time, place, and the behavior, which was the exercise. 
those people were 91% more likely to do their habit when they wrote down the date, the time, the place, and what they were going to do than the people who did not write down the date, the time, the place, and what they were going to do. So those other two groups of those people who were told to go exercise so many times a week or told to go exercise, and here's the research why, they were only 35% to 38% likely to complete the task were the ones that were told date, time, place, and behavior were 91% likely to complete the task, which is huge. So if you're like me, I'm a paper planner person, and I like to write out how I'm going to do my week, okay? Meaning I write down Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I write down first, what are my kids doing? Because let's face it, I'm their Uber driver right now. And I have to write down what times, dates that they have soccer practice or basketball practice or baseball practice or kids are in all the things right now. And then at that time, I know exactly like the practice, they're not going to miss it because we know where it's going to happen on what date at what time and what sport they're going to do, right? Like I'm not going to let my kids miss an appointment. So if you do that for yourself, you're less likely to miss that appointment that you make with yourself. And this is what we've really started doing with our patients. Another way that we link that in with our patients is, okay, I need you to do this activity, but let's look at your day. Tell me what you're doing from sunup to sundown. And they're like, oh, I wake up, I eat breakfast, I take the kids to school, I do this, I eat lunch, and I eat dinner, I go to bed. And we're like, nope, break it down even further. What are you doing? You wake up, do you pee? Okay, cool. When we go pee, after you pee, do you wash your face? Do you brush your teeth? We are trying to figure out what activity that they're doing every single day that we can start to add in maybe their pelvic floor physical therapy exercises. Because even myself, I'm a mom of three. I am a busy woman. And I don't have a lot of time to set aside for myself, let's say even for exercises. So I have to habit stack it, especially if it's pelvic floor. I may already be, I have my set walks, I have my set resistance exercises, but pelvic floor for me is just another thing to add in my busy day. So if we stat, habit stack it like we do with our patients, it's adding it onto something. Maybe it's brushing our teeth. Can we add in some single leg balance exercises while we're brushing our teeth? Can we work on posture while brushing our teeth? Can we work on how to connect that lower abdomen and zip it up properly with a little bit, 20% on of a contraction while brushing our teeth? Okay, so that's one example. Another one is I like the habit of walking through a doorway and doing a deep squat, relax that pelvic floor. Most of us hold tension in the pelvic floor. So we need to figure out how to add in relaxation throughout the day. And that's very challenging. And for me, if you told me to go relax, it's not my personality. So I don't do it. It makes me feel overwhelmed. However, if I stack it on something I'm already doing, walking through a doorway, how many kids do I have? I have three. I'm usually walking in the rooms multiple times a day, whether we're putting on laundry or waking them up in the morning, putting them to bed at night, giving them kisses. I am going to deep squat into a deep squat at that doorway for five seconds minimum, let the belly go, let my pelvic floor go and call it a win for my day. The same goes for if I'm emptying the dishwasher or the wash machine, I have habits stacked with those so that I can improve my pelvic health or keep up on my pelvic health throughout the day. And that's what we've started doing with our patients. We're doing it that way and we're seeing so much more success. So if you 
also struggle with doing exercises or struggle with meeting goals, think about them a little differently. Challenge this. Look at your day. Write everything down. Where can you set times, dates, places, and something together? Or where can you have it stack it? Okay. And comment below this video. If you're watching this on YouTube, please put it under this because I'm really interested to know what works well for you because what works for me may not work for you. But I can tell you we've had really good success with this with our patients that are coming in the clinic. So let me know. And then if you aren't watching this on YouTube, go ahead and go over to YouTube to empower your pelvis, subscribe to our channel. I would love to have you there because I'm going to be putting out more videos, more instructional videos on how to do things throughout the day, as well as some more shorts too. So and if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, do that as well. Like, save, share with friends. I would greatly appreciate it. And yeah, that's it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode of habits and how to make habits successful and stay tuned because this was only chapter one through five on the atomic habits and how the empower your pelvis staff is doing it. And we're excited to read the next five chapters for the month of February. So hopefully there'll be another podcast coming through on habits and how to succeed at them. All right, guys, until next time, happy pelvis. And I will talk to you later. Hey, pelvic Bye. posse. I want to thank you so much for joining into this week's episode of the empower your pelvis podcast. Can I ask you a couple of favors, please? Number one, can you like and subscribe to this podcast so that you can continue to empower your pelvis forever so that you will never miss out? Number two, can you leave us a rating and a review telling them how amazing we are and everything that you have learned about your pelvic health? And then number three, if you haven't seen the video version of this podcast, you can go over to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash empower your pelvis for all your visual learners out there. We have all types of great visuals in there for you to not only listen to, but to also watch. Thank you so much again and make sure to give your pelvis some love. Until next time, peace out pelvic posse.